0: Welcome back to the program. Let's get started with a prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' holy name we come before you. And Lord, we ask that your anointing would be at work in our lives, in this program, and in the hearts and minds of all who listen. Lord, help them to receive whatever it is you have in store for them. Lord, work in us and through us, but Lord, also work around us and even despite us, Lord, we long to be vessels of your glory, useful to you. And so, Lord, purify and cleanse and expand the vessels of our own lives so that your glory would shine forth more profoundly, uh, an anointing would flow more completely, and that the impact of your word would uh, be sown even more deeply in the hearts of, of those who hear. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name Amen. of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Carrie, great to be with you today. We've got lots to cover. We've got some check-ins, right? We're going to check in on our little keto journey. Uh, we've got some hacks on um, saving money. I like that. Uh, and I got an email from a listener about um, loan um, loan forgiveness, student loan forgiveness. So some new information, especially those that are involved in church work. Something I didn't know about. That was Interesting. really Interesting. Cool. And I know that you have, you've been listening and following some uh, different uh, sources of teaching, and you've got some interesting uh, insights that you wanna share, themes you wanna bring up. Uh, Just more questions. More questions, I like that. So questions being good conversation, which I find to be a really cool blessing. Today is, my brothers and sisters, the Feast of the Transfiguration, and it's also a First Friday. So Carrie, uh, there's a, a really neat question in the Summa Theologica, associated with the transfiguration. And St. Thomas Aquinas describes, he asks the question, um, was it necessary for Jesus to be transfigured? Sorry, not was it necessary, but rather was it fitting? Was it fitting that Jesus be transfigured? You know, fitting is like, um, was it right? Was it wrong, right? That's related to truth. Was it good or was it evil? That's related to goodness. To say whether something is fitting, do you know what that's related to? No. That which is beautiful. Right? So all of reality shares in these transcendental attributes of being. That's what it's called. These features of everything and anything that exists manifest itself with a display that is true, its essence shows up, its goodness and it's beauty. And so the, the the event of the transfiguration has a truth and a goodness to it. But also, the question is now, is it, is it beautiful? Is it harmonious? Does it weigh well with the other elements of Jesus's life?
1: Well, how would you argue that since Jesus did get transfigured? So God did it, they did it. It must be Necessary.
0: I like that. Right, That's I just a very profound scholarly simple. approach to thinking, <laughs> That's a very yeah, Kerry. Simple answer. So, this is uh, so Aquinas in the Summa Theologica puts it this way he says, Our Lord, after foretelling his passion to his disciples, exhorted them to follow the path of his sufferings. Now, and here's the insight Now, in order that anyone go straight along a road, he must have some knowledge of the end. Thus, an archer will not shoot the arrow straight unless he first sees the target. Hence, Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you go. How can we know the way? Above all, this is necessary when hard and rough is the road, heavy the going, but delightful the end. Okay, so it's uh, above all, it's necessary to have a glimpse of the goal. Where are we headed? Get get a, a manifestation of that's where we're going. And that becomes especially necessary when the road you're on is hard and rough, when the going is heavy, but the end is delightful. And so he basically says that our life of faith, our following Jesus, is a hard road. It is a road that has a a level of burden to it. It has a level of um, suffering involved. It has a level of, um, uh, of these things but the, the end is delightful, heaven. And so let's give a glimpse of that glory. Let's give a glimpse of the glory that is to be ours as we follow Jesus. And so his insight is that the transfiguration is where the glory of Jesus's divinity, his divine life, breaks through his humanity. It manifests itself in one of the most startling ways that we see in the life of Jesus, right? Like, I could ask you, like, where else in the life of Jesus does something of his divinity manifest itself? Can you think of any, like, scenes in the gospel that are like, yeah, that's clear, he's not just a human being. Are you talking
1: about the different miracles he performed? Yeah,
0: miracles is probably like, the like the simplest example. But then even, like, who notices or knows the divinity of Jesus? The demonic? The demons, The demons are like, I know who you are, the Holy One of God, pointing to the quality of divinity. That's holiness. So the demons can see in the midst of the human display of Jesus, the reality that he is God. And and it provokes, it evokes a reaction.
1: Do you think that's why people enjoy listening to those, is it called, there's an acronym for those afterlife or after death, or...
0: Like near-death experiences? Uh, yes, N-D-A-E. N-D-E-S. N-D-E-S. That's <laughs> like yeah.
1: some, some three letters. Yes, that when you listen to different people's stories of being in the supernatural, or seeing heaven, or that experience of of the glory, and when they come back to earth, they're so sad and depressed even.
0: Yeah, you know, it's like uh, most uh, N-D-E-S, these, these near-death experiences, they... Um, will point to the fact that there's not just some kind of void, right? It's either extraordinarily like uh, manifesting light and peace or of horrors and darkness. So this idea that if you want to glimpse the end of your life, well, guess what? There's something at stake in it. And what's at stake in it is the glory or the horror. Those are the two outcomes. But you're right. I think of our neighbor, Dean. He had that um, that near-death experience where he came before the Lord and, and you know, he what, what were some of the things that I found so striking was when he came back, he said that even the most beautiful, uh, like extraordinarily astonishing, beautiful things on earth, beautiful flowers and flower gardens and all of this, he found so dull that nothing on earth could compare to the glory that he glimpsed when he touched heaven in that near-death experience and i mean you know there's a hundred more things to say about that but um it's a it, it's a really interesting thing so i think that for us like um you and i have put a, a bit of an emphasis on helping our kids catch a glimpse of the lord's glory in church history right so the miracles the uh, like there's a There's a movie, and I have to have this young lady on. It was produced by this young lady that's part of Father Derek Lappie's parish, Our Lady Star of the Sea. She and her group produced a short film, just over half an hour long, and it was about this miracle of the the Eucharist taking on um, the quality of human flesh and blood. And because this priest doubted the real presence of Jesus, and so the Lord gave him this, oh, this transfigured host, if you will. I'm putting that in quotes. Yes. And how that is such a uh, an uplifter for people's faith. It, our breakthroughs like that, like transfigurations, like in their own way. <laughs> it reminds me of when you were praying on Facebook
1: and remember you were praying, and all of a sudden your hands started glowing. What happened? It was so funny, and then we realized that someone was flashing a light at you, or no, oh no, no your no, your no. phone
0: went off. I was trying to pray so... the deliverance prayer, and <laughs> I didn't have my glasses, and it was a bit dark in the room. So I took my phone and I put on the flashlight That's right. so that I could see what I was reading. But for the people that were praying with me, they didn't know what I was doing, and all they saw was this, transfigured glory of Tom's hands, my hands, as I was praying on Facebook, this supernatural deliverance prayer. It was
1: hilarious. Well, then we someone screenshotted it and sent it to you. And then I grabbed it and sent it to my family and said, you guys cannot imagine our kids are going crazy right now. We're looking at this picture of Tom's hands. And in the moment of it all, it was just this excitement and this joy and this revelation. Like, oh, finally, God's going to do some supernatural stuff where I don't have to work so hard. Like... Hey Lord, if I get a vision of you, I better—you <laughs> bet—I'll be praying every day. Well, I probably shouldn't say that, but—and um, then of course we went and watched the video live or um, recording and found out yeah. it was when you turned your flashlight like, hey, on. Hey, wait a minute! Oh no, that's just the. <laughs> phone. You better tell your You tell your family. <laughs> I was like, no, let's just let it. Let's just float that out there for a week.
0: Oh, I was like, it has to be authentic, right? Or it just doesn't have power to it.
1: Well, I remember in the days of um, seeking the Lord in a way that was um, spirit filled, that we would seek after signs and wonders and with great faith and hope and expectation. And there was a lot of joy in that there was a lot of, um, it it was like you were on this adventure. It was like you were in on this journey. And I love what you said in that little quote you just read was, it's going to be difficult or heavy, but he says well i can't see it right now but
0: yeah heavy the going right long and hard is the road heavy the going but delightful is the end
1: because you don't know where you're headed you're just kind of blindly faithfully following him
0: yeah and and, in like if let's take aquinas at his word right like the lord wills us to have glimpses of his glory he's not like saying begrudgingly oh Here's another one. Wants a glimpse of my glory. All right. I guess I'm going to have to dole that out or they're going to kind of give up on me. I've already given them one this year. That's it, man. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I point to one of the charismatic gifts. So the Second Vatican Council, and we're going to eventually get to my favorite text from Vatican II. One of them is from Lumen Gentium
1: eventually like today's program? Not in today's or program. Or like in the summer? That's or... our
0: safety net if we don't get to other <laughs> okay. stuff. Since we're still in the introductory point, I think we're doing okay in this program.
1: This never moves fast. Oh
0: honey, but we're going deep. I'm scuba okay. diving right. with you here. Uh, but the in it, uh, it references that what I call not only the hierarchical gifts, but the charismatic gifts. And those gifts are um, special graces that the holy spirit stirs into flame he communicates and stirs them alive in the faithful in order to fulfill their mission on earth and one of those gifts is expectant faith and expectant faith isn't just saying oh i trust in jesus but rather there's this sensitivity that god's kingdom is on the verge is pressing in on the moments of our lives and just waiting transfiguration, is waiting to be revealed, is waiting to be communicated. And we are not surprised. We are not caught off guard. In fact, we expect it. And when it happens, it's just so cool. There is a way in which when there's a move of
1: of God, and you hear it, it in different churches around the world or in the country, that people gather, like they all want to be a part of God's outpouring or his grace being manifested. And I mean, even I have, like, gotten caught up in, oh, I really want to go to this event because, you know, it's, there's going to be a lot of expectant faith and the people are fired up and there's just this this surge of, of growth or um, hope in what God is doing and I don't well, know. Well, and
0: doesn't that change? Like, what does it mean to live a life of faith as a Catholic Christian disciple of Jesus? If you have expectant faith, then guess what? Every morning that you wake up is, like, this divine adventure. Like... Where's the divine appointment? Where's the Lord going to send us today? What's he going to emerge today? What's he going to do today? I want to tell just a very quick story. I know it's from many years ago. um, And I I really kind of get a little irked when people will reference stories from 30 years ago versus, well, if you really believe in expecting faith, it'd be happening now. It'll be happening today and yesterday. But I like this one because <laughs> Well, just to be fair,
1: Tom, we still reference Abraham and his sacrificing of his son, which he didn't have to
0: do, or Moses, or I mean you can go through the whole Old no, Testament. No, it's, it's fair enough. So but it's, I mean like in our own in our own stories. Like there are um like when I go give a talk, yes, I know what you're saying. You know what I mean. Yeah. I don't like to tell the old story from my conversion. Um, and when people tell their sort of their old chestnut stories, it's like, is, hasn't God done anything in the last 25 years <laughs> in, in your the life? Last week, right? In the last week, <laughs> right? So, uh, but I like this one because it was so cool, and it was early in my my time in ministry. Um, it was we were putting together our very first conference, and uh, at Saint Marie's in Manchester, New Hampshire and we had a meeting of the conference committee, and it was at three in the afternoon on a Sunday in our um, evangelization office. Like, not a good time to have a meeting. So we're there having the meeting, and it came around to the theme of, how are we gonna promote this? And then we came up with a really like cool idea. What was that idea? Well, i will have to tell you after the break. You don't wanna miss it, it's a neat story. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. Just before the break, we were talking about expecting faith. And what does that actually look like? This idea that uh, I'm on the alert because the Lord is going to show up and he's going to show us that he sees what we're doing. He's involved in it and he's going to clear the way as we pursue him and things that matter to him he will help us in things that matter to us. So here I am, I'm this young 25-year-old guy directing evangelization efforts at St. Marie Parish, putting together our first big conference, trying to get promotion, and it's like the typical things. Okay, bulletin inserts, put together a, a flyer and all these other things. Well, then someone said, hey, you know what? There's a guy in our parish who writes for the Manchester Union leader. He is. He has like his own column, and that's the biggest newspaper Covering the entire area, and he said, "Do you know he comes to the parish?" And I'm like, "Oh man, that would be awesome. I've never met him. Well, I don't know him, but you know he he likes Father Mark." And I'm like, "Well, wouldn't it be awesome if he would be willing to do an article about our conference?" And when I was finished that sentence, the phone rang. In the Evangelization Office on a Sunday afternoon at three o'clock in the afternoon, it's not open. Who in the world is meeting at three in the afternoon on a Sunday? We were. I pick up the phone. Who is calling me? The The columnist. The paper guy. (laughs) The columnist is calling me. He says, hey, I don't know if you know who I am. My name is so-and-so. I write for this paper. I heard you're having a conference. I'd love to help you promote it. Can I interview you and talk to you about it? And then I can put something in the paper.
1: That's so cool. Now, I'm just being a little bit, uh, if I were back in the day and you had texting, you could like text someone and say, okay, now call right now. We're just finishing the meeting. This is going to be like a really big faith booster.
0: Carrie, you just like crushed my (laughs) like. The moment of glory, you're like Peter saying, "Can we do?" You fell asleep. It's like Peter in the Transfiguration. Uh, Can we just stay here and build a booth?
1: I would actually. Isn't that a neat? I would be. I'm sorry, but that is such a cool story. Having a picnic. No, that is really awesome, Tom. And just what an encouragement to all of you. And it is really neat in our daily walk, where we have that expectant faith, where we bring our petitions and our questions and our concerns to Him, and we ask Him in a faith based way, just Lord, can you answer this prayer? Or how am I to deal with this child? Or Lord, there's something I'm really struggling with, struggling with, with my spouse. And I just will not let it go until you, you know, like that relentless lady with the, what she just would not The leave. widow. Yeah, yeah. The,
0: the importunate widow, the one, the widow who wouldn't give up to get the unjust judge to side for her.
1: Yes. And she kept pestering and, and the Lord was just amazed at her faith. Like
0: It was a parable. He was saying, be like her. Oh, thanks, Tom. Be like the... Well, and what's (laughs) the point about a widow? She's got no one to advocate for her. She's powerless. She's got no voice. She's got no standing under the law. So here she is approaching someone who rules over the law and decides who is going to get their just desserts. And not only that, so not only does he have the position and the authority, but he's unjust. He's not even someone that's going to do the right thing for the right reason. So what does he end up doing? This woman, she's not leaving me alone. I'm going to side for her. Otherwise, she might do me violence. So he ends up <laughs> siding for her, not even for the right reason. But in, in, this, in this analogy, right, in this parable, he's saying, look, be like that widow. And you realize that you're talking, you're, 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 I'm, I'm putting God into the role of the unjust judge. And if the unjust judge is willing to respond to a pestering widow, How much more do you think your heavenly father, whom has lavished the gift of his spirit to dwell in your heart and has only good things for his children, how much more is he going to give you his very life and all the good things you need if you ask him? Do you feel like
1: there's a space in your own life where you're pestering him, like the unjust widow, where there's an area or a situation where you've gone to the Lord repeatedly and ask for his like guidance or, or wisdom or
0: the answer is yes, for sure. And there's a reason why theologically it goes back to Augustine. It's quoted by the catechism in the section on the battle of prayer. And Hans Urs von Balthasar has a really beautiful insight into this, looking at the lives of saints and how they interceded. And the concept is this, That when we go before the Lord and we ask for things over and over and over again, it's not as if God is like holding back because he's not interested yet. We're not really proving ourselves to him. But rather, the grace that we're asking for is so big that literally it's our falling to our knees and our crying out with persistence and consistency that is preparing the space, stretching the space to receive the enormity of the grace that we're asking for.
1: I feel like I lose interest after like a month of pestering or a week. And so it more makes me sad that I don't pursue him in his answer more fervently. Now, I can say that when I've been desperate, like this, there's something just really nagging you and it turns your stomach and you know that you cannot let this go. Then I have gotten answers but in some other things, maybe they're not as important. I just kind of go like, ah. and then I move on to the next <laughs> the next thing I need from the Lord.
0: So well, and, and that actually touches Von Balthasar's point. He's like in the lives of saints, you see that those who interceded and didn't give up were able to attain or be led into deeper spiritual riches than those who pursued and then stopped.
1: And then that just makes me feel sad. Yeah. Which I know the Lord doesn't want us to be like sad in that way, but I think there's a way in which we'll never attain that till on this side of earth.
0: Well, Carrie, you know what? Not a bad thing to feel sad, right? I mean, it's like to realize that, like, we Catholics believe in faith and works, right? So, faith and works, that faith is a gift. It's infused in us at our baptism, it gets stirred into flame as we follow and live out our faith, but faith has to manifest itself in our human efforts. Now, informed by faith. So that's where the the catechism talks about our determined effort, our determined effort. And for me, I just want to speak a word of like encouragement and consolation, because I know that there are some who are like, I must be asking for a really enormous grace because I've been praying for this for 30 years and I still don't see the breakthrough. And I'm like, you're sort of like one of those characters in those movies where you are holding a door open and other people are escaping. You're letting other people get out. And it's like you yourself are not running out because the Lord has placed you at the door. And your life of being on your face and crying out to the Lord, and the, the thorn in the side that that cross is for you, is winning, redemption, salvation, purification, uh, uh, renewal, res- restoration of faith in the lives of so many others that will surround you in heaven and and you will be acknowledged in heaven but on earth heavy is the heavy is the load. So
1: even when you can't see him working, he's working.
0: He is working in fact you again you go to the, the greatest of the saints, they talk about that the brightest light of faith, faith's brightest light, in their own human experience is darkness. I know that sounds paradoxical. Yes. Um, and so by that, it, like it sounds like it's the opposite, right? So, well, if I'm in darkness, I'm not in the light. No, no, no. You're in the light. And as you approach the light, it gets brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. And all of a sudden it is so bright, it becomes overwhelming to our capacity to receive it. And so it becomes darkness. It becomes uh, what was what was bright white becomes black. Uh, that just doesn't make sense. Is it dead? look at the sun? If you ever actually look at the sun, yes, you see, it, you see black. It's too bright. You can't process it. And so that's a kind of like a human analogy for the um, oh, I see. looking at God's glory. As you get approached God's glory, it's so overwhelming to you that you're in darkness. But
1: I was thinking more like the dark night of the soul, but that's not what you're talking about.
0: Yeah. In some ways it is, it is like the dark night of the spirit, right? Which is that second dark night. And um, I guess
1: if you've gotten that far in your spirituality, you're just like coasting. It's just, you're just really
0: amazingly full of God. So you remember like it was, it was the mother Teresa, right? Where. She had that one vision, and then she fed off that vision for fifty years, like forty five years.
1: Yes. See, why doesn't the Lord just give
0: us these one vision, and we can? I'm sorry. Are you ready to go forty five years in darkness? Oh, well, you, I'm you're certainly 45 not forty five minutes. No forty five <laughs> days, right? <laughs> I mean, really, you think about it, and it's like so. This this feast of the Transfiguration, glimpsing his glory. I, I I'm like. Give the Lord a chance, right? For those burdensome areas, those heavy loads that you're carrying, brothers and sisters, give the Lord a chance to get in on it. Give the Lord a chance. Give it over to Him. And pray for a stirring of expectant faith. Pray for that stirring of expectant faith that His glory will be revealed. That He will give you this sensitivity that He's present, his power is at work, and he is moving in a way that will be like uh, life-giving. It'll be restorative. It'll be advancing. It'll bring hope instead of darkness, confusion, despair, right? So I, on today's feast day, please do not doubt that the Lord has a moment of transfiguration in store for you. Now, maybe for some of you, it's going to be today. Maybe for some of you, it's going to be in these next several days, but like have some confidence, have the confidence to go before the Lord and say, please, Lord, I long to glimpse your glory. Lord Jesus, please. I long to catch a sight of the the delightful goal that you have for me and that you have for these situations that I've been praying for. So pray for that gift of expectant faith. Pray for a glimpse of his glory. Give him a chance to get in and get involved to those heavy crosses and burdens you carry.
1: You know, it reminds me of that Augustine quote. That is very commonly quoted. I've tasted you and now I burn or I hunger and thirst for more of you. You touch me and I burn for your peace. And just that ache and that sense of wanting to go at some depth, in the pre- you want to be in the presence of God. You ache for His that communion, that union of Him and the and Jesus and the
0: Father. And you know what, Carrie? That's actually a beautiful quote because it it fits like this entire theme, right? This entire theme of transfiguration is really the most powerful for those who have labored on the longest, hardest roads and in the greatest darkness. And so, um, I, I actually let me read it. Um, and this was actually, again, one of those questions that we probably won't get to yet, uh, which has to do with this, this uh, ancient authors that have had the biggest impact on my life, the ancient Catholic authors. And St. Augustine is second on my list. Um, St. Thomas Aquinas is first. But St. Augustine, um, here's one quote that I have for him. And it's, Late have I loved you. And I just stop right there. I, I, I want to cry because it just makes me feel so sad about like wasting my life if 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 I'm living a day and I'm not loving the Lord what a sadness but let me let me go beyond that late have I loved you O beauty ever ancient ever new late have I loved you you were within me but I was outside and it was there that I searched for you in my unloveliness I plunged into the lovely things which you created You were with me, but I was not with you. Created things kept me from you. Yet if they had not been in you, they would not have been at all. You called, you shouted, and you broke through my deafness. You flashed, you shone, and you dispelled my blindness. You breathed your fragrance on me. I drew in breath, and now I pant for more. I have tasted you, now I hunger and thirst for more. You touched me and I burned for your peace. Not a powerful quote. Oh, uh, it's okay. I don't know. Just fair to Midland.
1: <laughs> no, well, I think each of those phrases you can ponder and think through and pray through. And I wonder how long he just wrote that out, or if this was a prayer that he spent. Well, time it's in the writing. confessions.
0: Right? It's at the very beginning of the confessions. Yes, uh, uh, the confession of Saint. Augustine and um, when I when I think of that, he actually lays out like a, some fundamental structures of his entire theology and the spiritual journey because the spiritual journey is about if you want to go beyond this world, don't go further out into the world, but go further internal, go further onto the inside, the interior, journey of contemplation the interior journey of uh, of prayer and that's how you get to an encounter with the transcendent beautiful god
1: yeah i just feel like the amount of distractions the noise the chaos my own mind my own way in which i think about things that it just i don't know i feel like i get stopped it's hard to go deeper and Like I said earlier, I just get distracted with, like, okay, this isn't working, so then I'm on to the next thing. Like, just to stay with the Lord in that solitude and that silence and that that space. And I know, I, I feel like being over here is better, but I also feel like I have to fight for it every day. I have to purposely imagine Him, the Lord, and going deeper with Him and reflect and reread and try to center myself. So and I know that you know part of the sadness is I ache for him, but yet it's no easy journey,
0: and I want it easy.
1: <laughs> I just don't want it to be so hard. Or
0: well, I don't know. Don't we all? Right? We all want it easy in some ways. I I think about this, and I think of it in terms of um, he's so. What he says is so striking that there that God is like speaking to him through his creation, through the events of his day as he's like looking outwardly, but he's blind and deaf to it. And others can see God's glory in it. All right, we're up against another break. Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran along with my wife, Carrie talking about- The first point of 10. introduction. This is so awesome, <laughs> Are you awesome, gonna get Carrie? to keto or? <laughs> I love, we're gonna get an update on that. Other stuff going on. Just finish this point. Uh, I, I, I say that a lot on the program. You do? Let, Let me, me finish, finish this point. To, finish when you're talking
1: more. to me, like when I'm on with you, because you don't have to tell anyone else to I be quiet. Oh, I know. This is so cool. Uh, <laughs> because I interrupt you all the time.
0: No, wait a minute. So what Augustine's saying is, look, uh, he was the one who had this famous idea that, that you see the footprints of the Trinity, the vestigia trinitatis in creation. If you know how to pay attention, if you have the right sensitivity and capacity, as you look out into the world, you'll sense the artist who created his art, namely all of creation. But how many people look out at the world and say, I see no evidence of God. I see no evidence that there's a creator and, and how frustrating that is and how sad that is. And and Augustine's saying, well, that was me. I was seeing the beautiful things of this world around me, but I couldn't break through to the creator who was shouting at me. He was shouting at me, he was shining a bright light and dazzling me, but I was blind and deaf. So was, that's
1: what he, when he says he shouts, yeah. he was talking about his creation.
0: He was saying through his creation, through the very things he has created, he's shouting, I am here. You can, Can't you see me, the artist in my art? Can't you sense me in the beauty of creation? How come you can't recognize the goodness of me, the good creator, as you experience all the goodness of the things I've created? So I was blind and deaf, but when the Lord broke through, there's his mercy. The mercy of the Lord broke through. Uh, And it was, remember now, it was, he was searching and searching and searching, but he had to be found. So even more than he was searching for God, he couldn't get there on his own. That was just, if you will, putting him in a position to have the Lord break through and say, I'm here, I see you, right? And so that Beautiful, took, took up the scriptures, and he read it, and it was God's word that plunged into his heart, and he wept, because then he knew it was the light of faith that came alive. And so then he pursued that inter, interiorly, within himself, and then all of a sudden, because of the interior communion with the Lord in prayer, guess where God started showing up? Everywhere. Externally, everywhere. Yeah. In, in every, every moment of the day, God was available to break through. All the events, all the relationships, all the happenings. Oh, yeah. Yes. And in the beauty of creation. So awesome. So what you were saying, Carrie, is, look, it's not just like where you live geographically, but it's how you live. But if we're not living a life of prayer as a top priority to nurture the interior journey of communion with God, how are we going to have a sense of expectant faith that the Lord is going to move in the world, and the events, and the situations that we face every day,
1: and how are we going to be a light? how How do we evangelize? How do we bring the gospel, the good news, if we aren't experiencing it ourselves, or we experience it in a flat type of way?
0: Yep, John Paul II. He said it in his um, *Redemptoris Missio*, Mission of the Redeemer. Before you evangelize in word or deed, you evangelize by the person you are which is so striking and so uncommon, and it's a powerful insight, right? It's one of those things, just show up. If you just show up, what you're in communion with also shows up. If you have dwelt in God, if you have dwelt in his heart, and his heart dwells in you, that's what is radiant. That's what becomes manifest. This is eternal
1: life that they know you, the only true God. It's that encountering with, spending time with him, and you know him, that radiates out, that goes out. And then there's such a calm and a strength and a peace and a shelter and those who know God, and you know they know him. And just being in that presence of that person is so comforting, and it makes you want to be a better person and live a more holy life and more sacrificial and more generous and
0: yeah well it's one of those like put first things first like saint augustine one of his fame famous axioms is i become what i contemplate i become i'm i'm fundamentally shaped and molded and transformed into that which i make the object of my attention and concern like how many people are anxious right and that's what they sh- that's what shows up in them yeah and if you keep reading the news <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
1: or I find like myself to be a news junkie and I've found thank God I've I mean truly Lord thank you that he's made it more dull and I've not been seeking after politics or what's going on with the virus or seeking after you know what's the latest laws being passed or not being passed and kind of the chaos that our country is in right now and I find it also empty and just deadening, I think is the word, because it feels a void or it feels that space that really God wants to inhabit. And so it's one of those chaos, distraction, like it keeps me from going deeper in the Lord. It really is a block. And, a, and the Lord is just making me aware of this. And I know that I love listening to certain people on their shows, but I just pray like, Lord, just take this away because it's such a deadening, non necessary, non important filler. It's like a filler and the Lord is absent. Well, that's
0: a, that's a transfiguration theme. All again, if we really had the goal in front of us, that vision of the delightful end for which we were created, where we're headed, what this is really all about, that would just shine back onto how we're living today. Yes. Like what's important? What do I make a priority? What do I say yes to? What do I crowd out? Right? And it's that's where late have I loved you. Like what a great how about how minimally have I loved you? Right? <laughs> late have I loved you. How shallowly you. <laughs> have I loved you? And and it's we're crowding out the, the deeper love of the Lord. Yes. So you're looking I you have a book open right now in front of you. People can't see this and I'm wondering. Oh, I know. Are you I gonna just, read something or are you
1: No, it just reminded me of this quote, um, when this, the young boy was, Jesus spoke to him. He says, let all who are aware that I walked on this earth before be aware that I will return to the world and will hold each of you to account and judge. If you have lived your lives, according to my words, for my words are heavenly treasure. All who seek earthly pleasures above the truth of my words are risking your eternal souls. And then he re- references matthew twenty four thirty five Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away." And just to read the Bible, to know God Jesus' words and to know that they will surely not pass away. And I think that's you know the other day, we were talking about what draws us into a um, kind of a liturgical type prayer. Or what, what do we do? That's a traditional type praying. What was the word that you used?
0: Liturg- liturgical prayer no Sacramento? like we're
1: saying how i like to read scripture and worship and you're sharing similar experience of how you oh, encounter devotional devotion thank yeah. you that the word devotion but um when i read this and then i think of you know one of my scriptures this week from the lord is who shall climb the mountains to the lord like who's going to be at that transfiguration and who shall stand in the holy place And it says, the man with clean hands and pure heart, who desires not worthless things. And I just think that these two scriptures or two points are very tied together. It's like, are we spending our time seeking worthless things? Are we spending our time trying to find earthly treasures versus heavenly treasures? And just what is at risk? like the eternal soul. And I just know that I can so easily fall away from God in a communal daily prayer with him if I don't keep him first every day. And I just know this from, you know, our journey in the last couple of months of trying to, you know, I think the we we're doing keto and now we're trying to do mass every day. It's just awakening in me, which has been slumbering this kind of lethargy like you need to wake up (laughs) your soul's at stake and if it's not your soul it's the soul of your family those around you those who are close to you those who you love you need you know you've got it good but you need to start praying and do penance for those that don't see that don't see the light like i feel like i'm going to be held accountable for them too (laughs) like
0: wait a minute (laughs) and i'll tell you that's one of the motives i have when i pray those facebook rosaries right is that there are brothers and sisters in christ in the body of christ and the lord is like whom shall I send? Who's willing to go for us? Who's willing to show up and make available a place of refreshment, and encounter, a place of finding support, right? So, so yes. many people are like that paralyzed one that the four friends carried them, carried that one and laid them before the feet of Jesus, yes. right? Just aching. And so that's that for me is the Facebook rosary, is we're carrying our brothers and sisters- who would never make it to the feet of Jesus. Because when you are wounded by a traumatizing life event, when you are broken by a relationship or a situation in your family that is um, overwhelming, it is so hard to pray. And so if we can gather around those people and bring like a fervor and a faith and a comfort and a consolation, like, how delighted must the Lord be in that? All right, we'll a break. Back in a minute, we'll continue this theme. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. I'm with my wife, Carrie. And if you're blessed by this program, I do encourage you to go to Apple Podcasts and look up the Dr. Tom Curran Show. How about that? Oh, the Dr. Tom Curran Podcast. We you got want a new to make name. it easier. Yeah, we changed the name. Because people would always say to me, now, how do I find you on Apple Podcasts? I can't find you. And I was like, well, it's Sound Insight for Catholic Living <laughs> with Dr. Tom Curran. That's so great you changed it It then. was like the most terrible, <laughs> terrible. Who came up well, with that name anyway? Uh, well, what happened was Sound Insight was already taken. And there was already like some Dr. Tom Curran out there that had a podcast. So we tried to like weave it all together. And it was just like horrible. So anyways, um, the horror is over. That's why we only have three followers. Yeah. (laughs) It's all making sense. (laughs) The Dr. Tom Curran podcast is what is there. And if you do that, you sign up on, uh, you can go to mycatholicfaith.org and you'll find a new website. Yay, ta-da. I know that lots of folks will get frustrated going to that website because they didn't know how to contact me. And they were like, where are those resources? Well, if you go to mycatholicfaith.org, you'll find all of our resources are free. Yay! I like that. Just giving them all away. And so uh, the Dr. Tom Curran podcast is there. You can click on it. It'll take you right to it. And it's actually being fed right into the website. So you can actually just stay on that website as well, unless you want to subscribe. And then also you'll have the ability to get access to a bunch of free digital downloads, um, uh, audio, uh, video, and books, audio, video, and books that I've written.
1: You know, Tim, you're talking about how you go out to minister to people where they're struggling and they need someone to, to walk with them because they're hurting. I feel like that's there's a depth of God you experience in going out, too. It's not just going inward. Absolutely. There's, well, I just want to emphasize that there's a beautiful way in which some of our greatest joy-filled moments have been in service doing retreats or in praying with people in need or in walking with people in a dark place. And just, it's it's rich, It's it's ministering, it's somber. It makes me feel like serious about what life's about. It takes you to the core of forget all this, you know, fluff. There's actually real, you know, heart surgery that needs to happen. Um, well, it's Benedict, go ahead, Tom.
0: God is, God is either a concept or God is the living God. That's it. He's like, look, you can say you believe in God, but if you just say, I accept the notion, the idea that there's a creator behind this universe, he says, you don't believe in God. To really believe in God, in other words, to have a trusting relationship and a willingness to surrender and abandon your life fully into God's hands, you must have an encounter, an actual meeting of the presence and the power, the person of the living God, Father, Son, and holy Spirit,
1: and that can be at different degrees and in different amounts and for but I do feel like it takes us the f we need to make the not that we need to make the first move, but we need to make the effort to meet him. And he will faithfully show up through his word and through however God uses our personality types to encounter him. He is not trying to hide. Like you said, he's not like, oh, I've already doled out my grace for the week or the month. Um, But that does take effort. And so I think that's where I just like, okay, how much effort are we making as a church? How right. much is going on? Because you can read the lives of the saints or, or very holy people, and it's like, yeah, I'm not even close. They, yeah, their effort <laughs> it's level like is... I can barely and, pray a rosary.
0: <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah, it's so... it's it's it, That's a bit overwhelming, right? Like, they had such, like, expectant faith and such, like, a profound willingness to say, how can I not give every little ounce of my being? And... Like, we put so many boundaries up so quickly about, you know, do we really have to pray a rosary tonight? Really? I mean, come on. Do we have to stay up? You I know, know. Sometimes... We're all tired. Why don't we just go to bed? You
1: asked me to pray with you, I think it was yesterday, and I felt so much resistance. I was like... And I, in that moment, I thought, I am so... Weak, And this would actually be an amazing sign of God's miraculous grace is that if I got up and did it, I was like, oh, my goodness, she's healed. <laughs> because that's how opposite I felt, that if the Lord broke in and just said, it's not by your strength, it's not by your power.
0: So one of the things I was going to bring up when I talk about coming down and praying these rosaries on Facebook uh, is is the idea that we can carry these dear souls who come aboard, who come on and say, you know, pray with me, I'm having a really, really hard day. And then they'll put up the crying emojis and, you know, really, no, they get very, very touched because they actually feel the tangible sense of the Lord's love coming through this body of Christ ministering to them. But I will pray at some point during the rosary. Typically, it's towards the beginning. Hey, folks, we are praying these rosaries together, the hundreds of us that are here, um, to fulfill the request of Our Lady of Fatima to pray a rosary every day for poor sinners who are near to death but far from God. And then all of a sudden, the, like this whole like scales fall from the eyes. And it's like, do you realize that during this rosary, people are, are going to die, right? Statistically, it's like...
1: You're going to have a huge cloud of witnesses when you get to heaven, Tom. Well, They're all you... going to be like, hey, Tom, no, he's here. Yeah, you got me here. <laughs> Finally got out of purgatory.
0: Well, I mean, there, there are like 500 people are going to die during the actual rosary. Maybe a thousand people are going to die during the actual rosary, just statistically, Just too much. And then you, you ask yourself, of those, how many of them are trapped in mortal sin? Like spiritually dead. They're like Lazarus in the tomb. They are dead spiritually. And there's no first movement of them towards God. And they're about to meet natural death. And natural death plus spiritual death in mortal sin equals hell. And so the most frightening vision of the visionaries of, uh, of Fatima was of hell. And they saw these souls falling like snowflakes, right? And we've talked about this before. It motivated them to do what? To pray and do penance. They would do all these acts of sacrifice and penance to save these poor sinners. Praying the rosary, praying the rosary, praying the rosary, sacrificing even these little treats that they had, offering up their pains and sufferings and sicknesses and saying, bring it on, Lord, I want more, I want more, I want more. Just please save poor sinners, right, from falling into hell. So I'm like, guys, we can be part of that. We can offer these rosaries as our acts of penance and reparation that, what does it do? It rolls away the stone. Like Jesus, when he shows up at Lazarus's tomb, doesn't first say, come out. The first thing he says is, roll away the stone. So for me, I have this sort of spiritual analogy of saying our rosaries are rolling away the stone in the lives of those who are spiritually dead and about to meet natural death so that the Lord who wills their salvation, the Lord who died for them and longs to break in, is going to use the ministering of his body, the church, us, to actually share in the work of salvation by standing in the place of that poor, dead-in-sin sinner and saying, Lord, take our sacrifices, take our offerings, free this poor soul before they die a natural death. You know, when it says the seed
1: falls on the good ground and it, it those who are pure of heart are... Do the will of Father. I can't remember the two adjectives to describe it. I have to go check my notes of what the good soil is. I feel like you're in that place of goodness and pureness, and you're praying these kinds of prayers. That's some of your fruit. Maybe you're thinking 30, 60, a fold Maybe some of that fruit is you. Were, you don't see it in this life. It's through intercessory prayer. It's through penances that you're doing that when you do it with a pure heart, when you've confess those sins and you've said Lord I am so sorry and I don't I want to live in this state of grace and I want to pray in this state of grace when I read that little scripture just a bit ago that you want to go to the mountain and it says the one with the clean hands and pure heart I've read these words over and over about the purity of the person's soul and the cleanliness of that to really take sin in in the failing of following his commandments seriously like in a way that I've not thought about it and I feel like you pray in that state of grace and you're praying in that place you are doing God is using you to bring souls towards him
0: well to be perfectly honest I don't really think about that I I think of it more I I just
1: thought about it I just (laughs) thought about it like literally like wait a minute that I was looking for fruit on earth like 36 I was looking for fruit here like wait a minute actually God through our prayer. Because I read, I remember reading the story about a a lady who was in purgatory and she was suffering and she was in hell and she had, she was in this whole, you know, supernatural experience and there was this poor, very poor farmer who his prayers were so radiant and so bright she felt him and she had this vision of him lifting her right out of the grasps of the demonic Mm -hmm. and into God and she came back to earth and told her story but that was a holy man who was pure of heart and God he recognized his prayer and he answered it. Well, I don't for know. For me,
0: I think of it as there are all these really, really holy souls that are on this rosary and they are devout. You should see their prayers. That they type into the comment boxes. They're so anointed. I'm like, I want to team up with them. Right? <laughs> I want. To, we're part of the, the healing rosary family, spiritual warriors, right? That for me. But isn't that exciting? Like to start your day and have that kind of warfare where you're actually going to help free souls who are in spiritual death before they meet natural death. Because the Blessed Mother was used by Jesus to reveal that as really an inspiration to be part of the work of bringing salvation to the world. It has to be. That's transfiguring. That's beautiful. All right, up against the end of the program.